0: Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua. We began our study through a new book, the book of Joshua. It just so happens that on Sunday, we started a new book, 2 Thessalonians. And it just so happens that both pertain to entry into the promised land. One according to the flesh, the other according to the spirit. It just so happens. It just so happens. Now, in Joshua. Remember, Joshua was named Hosea, which is Numbers chapter 13, verse 16. He's named Hosea. Moses called him Joshua. Hosea is deliverer. Joshua is Yeshua, Yehoshua, which is Jehovah saved or Yahweh is salvation. Now, he's and accordance to Judges chapter 2, verse 8. He's 110 years old when he died. This is Joshua. He's 110 when he died. Now, You hit the rewind button, do a little math, and you see that Joshua was born while Moses was in the wilderness tending the flock of Jethro. Before the burning bush, when the Lord sent Moses back to Egypt, Joshua was born in Egyptian captivity. Remember, there is only... Two of uh, um, you know every every single person of the generate the first generation that uh, of of uh, of uh, uh, Israel uh, uh, the Exodus from Egypt every single one including Moses including Aaron they died in the wilderness with the exception of two Caleb and Joshua Joshua was born in captivity. We see that in the divine orchestration and predestination, the paths of Moses and Joshua would connect and how beautifully they did connect. And praise be to the Lord, because when we say predestination, remember, predestination requires obedience. You see, predestination requires obedience. There's a topical message we have. It's called biblical predestination listen to our study it's called biblical predestination uh some more studies is romans 7 8 9 10 and 11 and you'll understand more about biblical predestination and so we begin our study here in joshua chapter 1 verse 1 after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Now, assistant here translates in the Hebrew as assistant, but a contributor to the ministry, in ministry, and a contributor to the ministry. And it's so beautiful to see this this closeness of Moses and Joshua, just like we see the closeness and the intimacy of Paul and Timothy and Paul and Titus, you see it with Moses and Joshua. The next generation of righteousness, yes, but the next generation of leadership. And this is what the Lord, when he speaks to, to Joshua. Now remember the previous studies that we've had in, 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 in the Old Testament. Remember the previous studies because we see and understand that Joshua, he's not like the average bear. He is not like the average bear. Numbers 27 verse 18, we say that God's spirit is with him. And so when the Lord speaks to Joshua in verse one, Moses' assistant saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise. Now, okay, you're up, Joshua. It's your turn. You're, you're next, the next leader. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan. This is the, to enter the promised land. You and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Now, this is in accordance to promise. God's promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Whose name was changed to Israel. Every place, in verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Remember, first to Moses, and then now it's to you, Joshua. That's what the Lord is saying. He says in verse 4, from the wilderness and this Lebanon. Now, this translates as, from, this, from the wilderness and this white mountain. Lebanon, White Mountain. Now, I've only seen it in pictures where you look on one side and you see the snow-capped mountains of Lebanon. You look to the other side and you see the sea. And that's what the Lord is showing Joshua from the wilderness and this Lebanon, this White Mountain, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites. Now, remember, listen to our study through Deuteronomy 9. Because if you remember our study in Deuteronomy 9, the Lord is saying, Listen, Israel, these lands, it's not because you're awesome. It's not because you're awesome. You see, there is wickedness in these lands. And so, it is, the Lord is, uh, uh, it is a form of uh, judgment on these lands and the Lord is using his vessels. You see, vessels being the armies of Israel. You see, remember, the the Lord, you know, he takes care of Egypt, but then when it comes to Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Lord still takes care, but he does it through his vessels. Now, the opposite is also true and it hinges on obedience because we're going to see in future studies where where there's disobedience, where there's obedience, you're going to see the land expanding, growing, expanding the borders, the might of Israel, the armies of Israel. You're going to see beautiful things when Israel is obedient, but when there's disobedience through the kings, through the priests, through the priesthood, through people, certain individuals, You're going to see Israel loses ground, loses strength, loses power, suffers loss, loses ground in these uh, other peoples, other nations. They become more powerful. We're going to see these things. But because of this backdrop we have through the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the five books of Moses, the Pentateuch, we're going to understand why the Lord does what he does. Remember, he's reactionary. He responds to obedience or disobedience. He responds to righteousness or wickedness. He responds to repentance. You see, restoration through repentance. And so the Lord is showing Joshua, he says, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, or from this wilderness and this white mountain, as far as the great river, the r- river Euphrates and the land of the Hittites and the great sea. This is the Mediterranean toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. You see? All that land, all that span, Israel. In verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success i have not have i not commanded you be strong and of good courage do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the lord your god is with you wherever you go these are very very beautiful verses very very beautiful verses And many people love these verses, rightfully so. Very powerful, very poignant, very powerful in application. But we must understand that these are words spoken to Joshua. It pains me to say this, but these are what I call magnet verses. Magnet verses. Where people, you know, be strong and have good courage. And you see a magnet on the refrigerator. Be strong and have good courage. You see a poster on the wall. Poster verses. Be strong and courageous. Oh, a poster. You see little, like, you know, little plaques. You know, be strong and courageous. I call these magnet verses. These are verses spoken of the Lord to Joshua, it's very important for us to understand this. Turn with me really quick to Jeremiah 29, another magnet verse, popular verse, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. You see, oh, beautiful. Lord, you have thoughts of peace towards me, not of evil, to give me a future and a hope. Oh, cool. I'm going to put this on a magnet. I'm going to put this on a poster. Have a nice poster on my wall that, you know, the Lord says that he is... He knows the thoughts that he thinks towards me and says the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give me a future and a hope. Wow. I'm going to put that on my, a plaque over here, a plaque, a poster here, poster magnets here, magnets there. And it pains me to even address these truths in this manner, but it must be said. It must be said. Because when we look at these verses, which, you know, I I I don't say it in a jovial manner, the magnet verses. It pains me to refer to them as magnet verses. But we must understand. Look at verse 10, Jeremiah 29, verse 10. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. Remember, this is Babylon. After 70 years are completed at Babylon, this isn't Jerusalem. The Lord's reference point is 70 years into the future. And he says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and hope. Now, if we become magnet people, If we become magnet people where we have the magnet verses and poster verses, it's like, wow, look, the Lord has good thoughts towards me and thoughts of peace and not of evil to give a future and a hope. But what if? What if the Lord speaks and says, this is 70 years in the future. There's going to be 70 years at Babylon. And this moment of peace in Jerusalem, Shalom, Shalom, is 70 years into the future. Now, who would choose obedience at that moment? Very few. Very few. Okay, Lord, I'll be patient. A week, a week tops. Two days, five days tops. I'll give you a week. I'll be extra generous. I'll give you a week. What if the Lord says, no, 70 years in the future? You know, if you're A young brother of mine, young uh, brother or sister of mine, you're 10 years old. You're 10 years old. That means that you would be 80 years old to be in Jerusalem. Babylonian captivity. You would be 80 years old. If you're 20 years old, that means you would be 90 years old to go from Babylon to Jerusalem again. Shalom. The peace of the Lord knowing that who would still be obedient to the lord and honor him if it's okay wow this is 70 years did you say 70 did you did you say 17 i can do 17 17 days did you say 70 70 yes that's absolutely what he says you see and it's very popular these magnet verses very popular posters, pictures, plaques, magnets, all over the place. And people know it, like the back of their hands sometimes. For I know the thoughts that I think through you says think, think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. But with a proper understanding. Text and context and code. Text. With codex, you see, it's pretty severe. It's I mean, it's already severe with verse 10. Look at the beauty of reaping what one has sown, reaping what the people have sown. Because look at verse 12. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. You see, anybody can pray. Anybody can call to the Lord. Anybody can do that. And you see, Judah was doing that. Remember Jeremiah, the lonely prophet, the weeping prophet? And the people would tell, you know, he was lonely for a reason. He was weeping for a reason. And the people would tell him, Jeremiah, you're crazy. Look, we got our priests. We got our elders. We got this. We got that. We got our prophets. But when the Lord speaks to Jeremiah in private, in their own intimacy, the Lord says to Jeremiah, those aren't my guys. Those aren't my guys. They don't speak for me. I don't speak to them. They say, thus saith the Lord, but that ain't me. And look, they, they pray. They do all these things. But in the case of Judah, in this chastisement of the Lord, for 70 years, in this form of chastisement of the Lord, the restoration of Israel, the restoration of Judah, in captivity, verse 12 says, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You see, intimacy is restored. And you will seek me and find me. That's a problem with the flesh, the carnal nature. Because carnal people can pray. Carnal people can seek. But will they find the Lord? And will the Lord listen to their prayers? Remember, the Bible says if you regard iniquity, if I regard iniquity, if, if if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. That's what the Bible says. You deal treacherously with the wife of your youth. Husbands, 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 males, males, males. You deal treacherously with the wife of your youth. And the Bible says you can pray, you can cry, you can weep, but I won't hear. That's what the Lord says. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he says. You can pray all you want. Pray till you're blue in the face. But as a result of disobedience, the Lord will not hear. Because of disobedience, that's the carnal nature. Carnality, it produces these blocks, these blockades. You're like, wow, that's bad that carnality does that. Remember, that's a choice. Walking according to the flesh is a choice. Oh, but once saved, always saved. Look, I can go to the strippers. I can go to the gamblings, the the casinos. I can go to the strippers, the prostitutes, the Buddha, the worship Mary. I can do all these things, the Ouija boards, because once saved, it's always saved. Who told you that? Who told you that once saved, always saved? Oh, my pastor did. Okay, get a new pastor, jump ship. He's teaching you wrong. Oh, it's not a he, it's a she. There you go. Wrong, wrong formula. Remember, we look at the formula. Formula has got to be right. Formula must be right. And so you look at these magnet verses. I don't like saying magnet verses, but it pains me to say it that way, but I call it like I see it. A lot of people love verse 11 here in Jeremiah 29. Love it. And it's beautiful. I love it. But don't forget, 70 years in the f- the fruition of verse 11 is 70 years in the future if you're 10 that means when you're 80 if you're 20 that means when you're 90 if you're 50 that means you're going to die you see you can have you can be like 20 no wrinkles whatsoever but when it comes to fruition You're going to be wrinkly everywhere. See? We must have proper perspective. Text, context, and co-text. A beautiful verse. Absolutely. But don't let it be a magnet. Do not let it be a mere magnet. Because we walk in truth. And we walk by faith. Now let's go back to Joshua joshua chapter one these magnet verses you know like verse six be strong and have good courage uh, uh be uh, strong and have good creator uh, good courage verse seven be strong and very courageous They're like wow i like this i'm gonna put this on my wall i'm gonna put this on the magnet be strong and courageous wow i love this and wow look i got this picture here this plaque here the saying here be strong and courageous and Don't let it be a magnet verse. Bind it to your heart. And don't forget the merging of Moses and Joshua in one accord. Look into the past. We have this backdrop of Torah. Look at the history. Regarding Joshua. Look at the battle against Amalek. Amalek. Exodus 17. If you've been walking with us for a while, you remember. I pray you remember. The battle against Amalek. Exodus 17. You see? In Exodus 24, Joshua, a younger Joshua, up the mountain with Moses. In Exodus 32, only two were undefiled. Moses and Joshua. Moses and his assistant. His contributor to ministry. Only two were undefiled. Remember Numbers 14? The stand of Joshua and Caleb? Their stand. When, every, when the Lord says, go into Canaan and fight. And the report, remember the recon team that Moses sent out? The recon team comes back and they, they report. Oh my goodness, the Canaanites, they're giants. They're humongous. Oh, his pinky is the size of my thigh. Oh my goodness, they, they're huge. They're giants. The the head is like the size of like a beach ball. They're huge. Not even that. The, The size of like five beach balls. Their heads are huge. Their little pinky toe is the size of my torso. They're giants. We can't defeat them because if we go fight them, they're going to kill us. And all the people, they were afraid. Fear was endemic and it spread to the camp. Now, fear is good, but fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. The Lord says, go and fight. And as a result of fear, an 11-day journey became 40 years. Remember the first census? The first census, remember Numbers 1, we studied these things already. So I'm running on the notion that you know these things now. If you've been walking with us for a while and that you haven't forgotten. And I pray that we, in the same boat, that we don't forget. Numbers chapter 1, we see in the census, the first census, there's six. Hundred three thousand five hundred and fifty. I'm excluding the the priesthood. Six hundred three thousand five hundred and fifty from numbers one. And only Caleb and Joshua had no fear. Everybody else, the fear spread in the camp. Whoa! The, look, our recon team—they're saying that these—they're they're giants there. Now, because of that, because of what we see with our eyes, we're not going to go fight. We're going to be disobedient to what the Lord desires. You see? And the 11-day journey became 40 years. As a result, the Lord says, okay, because you disobey me, now this journey, instead of being 11 days, now it's going to be 40 years. And then the people, you see, they measure, you know, what's better for me? What's better for me? What's better for me? Well, you know, yeah, I, I... I would rather instead of 11 days being 40 years, it's like, okay, I don't want to do 40 years. So, okay, now I'll go fight. But then the Lord says to Moses, Moses, tell them not to go and fight. Because if they go and fight, they're going to lose. You say, wait a second. Did the Lord change his mind? He says, go and fight. You're going to win because I'm with you. But then all of a sudden he says, don't go fight because I'm not with you. So what is it? You know, the mockers would say, look, there's a contradiction in the Bible. No, there isn't. It's in the people. The people changed their heart. The Lord didn't change His mind. The people changed their heart. And because the formula was wrong in the people, now it doesn't fit. Before, you know, before they sent the recon team, the Lord says, okay, go and fight. Go and fight. And so it's like, you know, square in the square. Everything's fine. You know, the square in the square. Everything's right where it's okay. The square in the square and it fits. The square goes in the square. But then the recon team comes back and they spread fear. The fear spread through the camp and all of a sudden that square turns into a triangle. Now, triangle no longer fits in the square. You see? And as a result, in order to get that triangle square shaped again, it's going to take 40 years to do it. You see? The formula wasn't right in the people. It was right. But then, through fear, it became wrong, and it didn't fit. Formula, 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 formula. We look at the formula. And then, at the same time, as fear spread to the camp, who were the only two that stood? I'm excluding the priesthood because, you know, Moses and Aaron, they're dead now. I mean, not then, but like Joshua. Like, we're in the book of Joshua. So, that first generation, dead. Except for two, Caleb and Joshua. You see? So, you take... 603,550 according to the census, excluding the priesthood. According to the first census of Numbers 1. And only two stood. Only two stood. You know what that is? That's thats zero zero three percent that stood with the Lord. 0.0003%. That's a serious remnant. Now, you hear a say from time to time referencing the last day's church, four categories of last day's church. The last day's church is either false, apostate, entering apostasy, or it is true. And I'm pretty generous. We do a, a, an even distribution, 25%. But it's much smaller. When you look at prophecies, When you look at Old Testament and New Testament prophecies, you see it's much closer to 10%. I mean, you look at prophecies into like the last three and a half years of world history, the last half of the final seven years of world history, the last half of the 70th week of Daniel, and we're less than 2%. So, I mean, you know, when we say the four categories of the last days church and we're generous and we say 25% for each, you know, just an even distribution. But prophetically speaking, we get deeper into the events of the last days, we're talking a very small percentage. I don't mean to be Debbie Downer, but that's what the word says remember this census, the first census of Israel, 603,550, and of that bunch, only two were fearless. Only two stood in the Lord. While the fear spread, fear of the Canaanites, there were two that stood In the fear of the Lord, Caleb and Joshua. You see, don't forget the history of Joshua. His battle with Amalek. Undefiled, when the camp of Israel was defiled. Remember, him and Moses come down the mountain and should have seen Aaron and the elders and her and should have seen those things. Or those people, should have seen them. But they come out of the, Moses comes out of the clouds, sees Joshua. They walk down. Okay, where's Aaron? Where's the, where the elders? Not there. They get down further. And you see all the camp of Israel defiled. Defiled. Except for two. Only two. Moses and Joshua. You see? It's very important for us to have this understanding. Why? Because when we treat these verses like mere magnets. Oh, I like this verse, be strong and courageous. We forget who the Lord is speaking to. He's speaking to Joshua. And it's not to say that the Lord only speaks to Joshua. But when we look at the history of Joshua. The meat and potatoes of the life of Joshua. He made a choice. Well, While everybody was defiled, he made a choice. Not me. You see? When fear spread to the camp, he maintained his fear of the Lord. And don't forget what the Lord told Moses in Deuteronomy 31. Turn to Deuteronomy 31 really quick. In Deuteronomy 31, verse 16, this is, Moses is about ready to die. He's an old man. And in Deuteronomy 31, verse 16, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you will rest with your fathers, and this people will rise and play the harlot with the gods of the foreigners of the land, where they go to be among them, and they will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. Then, remember, the Lord is reactionary. Then my anger shall be aroused against them, against them in that day, and I will forsake them. You see? Remember, he says in, in the same chapter in verse six, he says, you know, that, that he will not leave you nor forsake you. So what's the, how, the mockers would say like, well, you see, there's a, there's a, there's a disconnect. You see, there's a contradiction in the Bible, but remember, A triangle doesn't fit in the square. The square fits in the square. The triangle fits in the triangle. The circle fits in the circle. Formula, 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 formula must be right. You see, and the Lord is saying to Moses that you're going to die and you're going to go rest with your fathers. But these people, they're going to rise and play the harlot. And they will forsake me. And as a result, in verse 17... I will forsake them and I will hide my face from them and they shall be devoured and many evils and troubles shall befall them so that they will say in that day have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us and I will surely hide my face in that day because of all the evil in which they have done in that they have turned to other gods idolatry you see because they're going to make their choice. And remember, the Lord is reactionary. And it breaks my heart, but we must have this proper understanding. And that's what Moses, that's what the Lord said to Moses before he died when he was an old man. Picture the heart of Moses broken. I mean, kind of like, you know, bittersweet. Beautiful knowing that, okay, you know, End of watch, so to speak, but then at the same time, what about the people? So we don't forget what the Lord told Moses, and at the same time, look what we see in Judges chapter 2. Turn with me to Judges chapter 2. In Judges chapter 2, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but we have to understand. In Judges chapter 2, verse 7. So the people served the Lord, which is good. The people served the Lord, Judges chapter 2, verse 2. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders. Wow. Why not for all their days? Why is it all the days of Joshua? Why is it all the days of the elders? Why is it for each individual all of their days? You see? All the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnah Heres in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gaish. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, so they died, all that generation, Joshua and the elders. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. You see, the parents refused to teach the next generation. They refused to teach their kids. And remember, the Lord is reactionary. So now you have a generation which doesn't know the Lord. They don't know, not just the Lord, they don't know the work of his hands now in response look what happens in verse 11 then the children of israel did evil in the sight of the lord and served the Baals, and they forsook the lord god of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of egypt and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them you see they're influenced by evil instead of the good remember this is a generation that doesn't know the lord And they bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. You see, self-inflicted. Self-inflicted. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtoreth. You see, it got worse. It got worse. Not to suggest that, you know, Baal is good, but Baal and then Ashtoreth? You see, it got worse. It compounds the evil, the sin. And this is a result of the Lord which has become forgotten. It got worse. Remember our study in Deuteronomy 28, how it's better to be cursed in the city than in Egypt, because in the city, you can repent and boom, right back to where you need to be. But in Egypt, whoa, that's not good. It gets worse. You see, incrementally, it gets worse and worse and worse. As we look at trespass, remember the trespass? You're in the middle of the narrow road, which is where we want to be, right smack dab in the middle of the narrow road. Sidestep left. That means you need to repent and sidestep right to be right smack dab in the middle. But sidestep left, sidestep left, sidestep left, sidestep left, sidestep left, sidestep left. left. It gets worse and worse. And it's not like, you know, it's one sidestep right because you're way off course it's repent and you know you make choices sidestep it's not just like okay you know sorry lord and i'm gonna keep doing it because that's that's not right smack dab in the middle it's you know sorry lord i'm gonna keep doing it that's more sidestepping left but when you repent and you turn from whatever sin that's when you're right smack dab in the middle. But you go left, 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 left. Remember it's the narrow path. Left, 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 all of a sudden fall. That's the deceitfulness of sin. It gets worse. Repent, 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 repent. But as it gets worse, look at verse fourteen. The And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. This is how the Lord responds. Remember, he's reactionary. So as a result, so he delivered them into the hands of the plunderers who despoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. You see, no victory. No victory. No, but we're God's people. We're God's people. We're of the elect. Okay. Act like it. Act like it. You see? Oh, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Okay? Act like it. Behave like he's sovereign. I'm not mocking the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. Absolutely. But people say it all the time, Oh, God is sovereign. God is... mostly among the Calvinist and Reformed theory people, which is just, you know, a theory. It's unbiblical. Oh, God is sovereign, God is sovereign, God is sovereign. But then you look at the mess inside their lives in the church. It's like, okay, if he's sovereign, treat him like he's sovereign. Behave like he's sovereign. You see? Here in the case of Israel, they could no longer stand before their enemies. What we see in verse 14. Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity, as the Lord had said, and the Lord had sworn to them, and they were greatly distressed. You see, Moses is dead now. Joshua is dead now. The elders are dead now. there goes the neighborhood. And that's a problem. That's a problem we see in verse 7 of Judges chapter 2. You see, the people serving the Lord, which is beautiful. But why is it all the days of Joshua? Why is it all the days of the elders? You see? Why is it for each individual all of their days? It's powerful to understand how the Lord works. To understand the nature and character of our Lord. And you see this a lot with parents. Where children serve the Lord. All the days of mom and dad. That's not good. Because baby girl grows up. She turns 18, flaps her wings, and okay, bye-bye. She's gone. No longer under that roof. No longer under the covering. And if she serves the Lord all the days of mom and dad, she's in trouble. Why? Because the Lord hasn't become her Lord. Baby girl's in trouble. You see? We see it in parents. In their relationship to kids. Train up your children. If you're a parent, train up your kids. In the ways of righteousness. These days are so wicked. They're so evil. And Satan wants children. He wants kids. Who's going to let him? You see, yes, mom and dad, Jesus is yours. I mean, if you if you're abiding Christ, but Jesus must also be belong to the kids. They have to make their each of them their individual choice. Because what happens when a generation forgets the Lord? You know, mom and dad can be hardcore and on fire for the Lord. You know, till they're blue in the face. I mean, that's good for them what about the next generation you see you have a generation in Judges 2 that didn't know the Lord you see and let's go back to Joshua now Joshua chapter 1 and in Joshua 1 you know we have to understand that as Moses wasn't like the average bear, neither is Joshua. It's like, you know, when when Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ, that's Paul saying that, that he is crucified with Christ. We read the book of Acts, we see the pouring of his heart in the letters in obedience to the Lord. And you see, wow, he is indeed crucified. When Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's Paul saying that. It's not to say that we can't say it. But for anybody who says, I am crucified with Christ, don't lie. Because if you're crucified with Christ, that means that you're dead. That means that you've taken the old man, the old woman, and you've made him, you've made her dead. You know, have you ever talked to a brother or sister and, you know, they're sharing their testimony with you and you're just in complete and total shock to talk with a, 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 a an old lady and she starts to tell you that she was a prostitute? and it's like she's like a warrior for Christ and it's like what you what that was your old life and it's just like oh my goodness and she opens up and shares the guilt of her shame then but restoration in Christ and she rejoices and you rejoice with her and it's like oh my goodness I had no idea that this was you and wow God is so good to us Look at what he's done in your life because for that lady, she is crucified with Christ. It is no longer she who lives but Christ who lives in her, a warrior for Christ. But for any person to say I'm crucified with Christ, is no longer I who live. It's like, wait a second. You were just at the strip club, brother. Wait a second. You were just getting drunk last night, you were getting baked last night. You were cooking spoons last night. I don't see crucifixion. I don't see crucifixion because the old man, he's still kicking. And I call you brother today, but because this is a repetitive issue and you three years of you know arrested development and biblically speaking. I might have to separate from you. You see? It's not to say that these verses aren't for us. But the question is are you and I together, are we carrying our cross, the instrument of death? You see? Because the Lord is speaking, absolutely. But he's speaking to Joshua. He's speaking to Joshua, who's not like the average bear. Remember what happens when, when Joshua dies, when the elders die, and when their end of watch comes? What happens in the camp of Israel? Idolatry, harlotry, the Lord becomes forgotten. Now, can they, at that state, in Judges 2, what we just read, in that state, they can say, they, they can have the magnet verses, oh, look, we're God's people, look, God knows the thoughts that he thinks towards us, and look, be strong and courageous. They can say it all they want, but does it apply to them? When they're in a state of harlotry and idolatry, the answer is no. And I say Israel, but I say it unto the church. I say it unto the saints. The formula must be right in you, in me, in us. The formula must be right. I mean, you know, we have these exhortations for husbands and wives and kids and you know submission and all these things, and the formula formula must be right in the husband, the formula must be right in the parents, the formula must be right in the pastor, the formula must be right in the elders, the formula must be right in the church, the formula must be right in sanctuary. But don't forget the formula must be right in you. The formula must be right. In me, the formula must be right. In us, Ecclesia, Hagios, an assembly of those who are called in Christ. This is a last day's ministry, teaching the remnant. We must understand these things, these truths. Don't treat these verses as near magnets. Because these are words in which we live by. Now, previously flying through in Joshua chapter 1, flying through verse 5 through 9, but let's go back to verse 5. Remember, this is said to Joshua. And don't forget, we have this backdrop of Torah. Torah. Remember Aaron and Miriam when they said, oh, Moses, look, you know, you think God only speaks through you. So surely he speaks to us. Look, we're, we're of this uh, of the Levitical priesthood, you know, Kohanim. Aaron, you know, I'm Kohanim. And then the Lord says, hey, step into my office. And the Lord puts them in place, Aaron and Miriam. Miriam got leprosy. And the Lord says to them, listen, Moses, you know, I don't speak to Moses like a prophet. I speak to Moses like he's my friend. Korah thought the same. Oh, Moses, you think the Lord speaks through you? Look, surely I can speak to to the people. Surely I can bless the people and surely I can lead the people. You follow Korah? You know, Moses says, follow me as I follow the Lord. Korah says, follow me as I follow the Lord. In one, you get to live. In the other, you get to die. You see? What are we to do? You look at the formula. Is the formula right in Korah? No. Therefore, don't follow. And those who followed Korah, Korah, and all those who followed men, women, children, they died. The earth opened up, swallowed them all. You see? This very special formula of Moses and Joshua. Very, very special formula. It's not to say that these verses cannot be for us. But when you look at the history of Joshua, look at his prior fights look at his prior stands i mean when all of israel was defiled he wasn't moses too but moses is dead now i mean you know here in joshua chapter 1 he's gone on to be with his fathers don't forget he's at the transfiguration But when all of Israel was defiled, Joshua stood. When all of Israel was afraid, Joshua wasn't. He had fear, but it was properly placed fear and fear in the Lord with Caleb. Don't forget the makeup of this man. And I don't care if you're male, female, young, old, because in Christ, in Christ, the fulfillment of the law, there is no male, female, because there's equality in Christ. Now, I don't mean equality like the liberals speak of equality. I mean equality in terms of, you know, like we're one in Christ, we're equal in Christ. But understand that there is a hierarchy too. coverings, always male, always male. And where you see coverings in accordance to the New Covenant is in marriage and then also in fellowship, like in a church fellowship. Male husband, male pastor, male elder. You see? Aside from that, in that hierarchy, male, female, hey, we're equal in Christ. That's why Paul says, you know, when you uh 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 re- regarding uh 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 Phoebe, you know, accept her. Don't give her any beef. You know, she's she's the shot caller. She's uh, uh, uh in like uh, an assistant of uh, uh, of Paul. Uh contributor in the ministry, this co-ministry. It's a ministry of the Lord, but co worker. You see? The formula is right in her. He writes the letter to the Romans. and says, let's accept her. Don't, don't give her any beef. Whatever she needs, provide for her. Because she's doing a work for the Lord. You see? Formula, 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 formula. Look at the prior stance of Joshua. When, I mean, you take the percentage. In, in Numbers 1, the the, the the count of the census... 603,000, 603, 603 550,000 and only two stood, which is point point zero 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 three percent And that's who the Lord is speaking to, a remnant of a remnant. So let's look at verse 5, Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just shocking. All the days of your life. But remember, the stand of Joshua, there's future stands. From this moment, there's a stand now, but there's future stands but there were much there were much prior stands don't forget he says as i was with moses so i will be with you i will not leave you nor forsake you which translates in the hebrew as i will not fail you nor leave you that's how it translates in the hebrew i won't fail you i will not leave you And when in the past has this ever been true for Joshua? I mean, the Lord saying this to Joshua now, Joshua knows, Lord, you've never left me. Lord, you've never failed me. Because Joshua remembers the battle against Amalek, where he was victorious. He knows from experience, Lord, you didn't leave me then. You didn't fail me then. When all of Israel was defiled with the golden calf, Joshua was undefiled. I mean, let's put this in perspective now. When the vast, 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 vast vast majority was defiled. Defiled. Turned over to harlotry in some cases. Joshua wasn't. I wonder the flack that Joshua. Oh, Joshua, you're too hardcore. You're such a legalist, Joshua. You're too hardcore. Come on, Joshua, let's go get drunk. Come on, Joshua, let's go to the strip clubs. Come on, Joshua, let's do this. Let's go worship the bales. Come on, Joshua. Let's go do all these things because, look, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now oh, The formula has to be right. I wonder if Joshua got any flack for his stand. I mean, before, what we're about to, before Joshua chapter 1. I mean, when he's the only one standing with Moses... When he's the only one standing with Caleb and all of Israel became fearful of the Canaanites instead of fearful of the Lord. And Caleb and Joshua are the only two standing. The only two that were putting aside the, the priesthood. That's hardcore. I mean, we're talking 0.003%. And these words of the Lord spoken to Joshua. Where the Lord says, as I was with Moses in verse 5, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I will not fail you nor, for, nor leave you is how it translates in the Hebrew. Verse 6, be strong and of good courage. Which translates as in the Hebrew, be strong and courageous. This is in a literal and physical sense. But in the heart and mind to be alert and ready. That's how it translates in the Hebrew. When he says be strong and of good courage. It's, you know, it, like in a literal and physical sense. But at the same time, in heart and mind. A state of readiness. To be strong and courageous and alert and ready. And this is the Lord saying this. The most high God. The most high God speaking to Joshua, his vessel. Their beautiful intimacy. Be strong and of good courage for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance. Remember this inheritance also for females too. Remember our study in Numbers 27. You shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. You see, the Lord is fulfilling his promise, and he's using his vessel, Joshua. The Lord fulfills his promise, you know, but, you know, a lot of times he uses his vessels. And that's what we're going to see, Old Testament, New Testament. He says in verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. You see, understand that standing alone requires fortitude. And also, standing alone requires a special fortitude. Now, seemingly the same thing, but it's not the same thing. Standing alone requires special fortitude, and standing alone requires special fortitude. So what's the difference? When we say standing alone requires fortitude, Of all the acts, I mean, picture an athlete can do anything physical. The physicality of anything is a piece of cake to him or her. And sometimes just, you know, sitting on the bench and all of a sudden the coach says, hey, you're up. And sometimes just the act of standing alone, it's like, whoa, that's a big deal. I mean, you know, I used to love, you know, I still love like Michael Jordan, you know, watching old, old footage of Michael Jordan, basketball player, arguably the best, the best basketball player ever, in my opinion, the best ever, Michael Jordan. Now, you don't see him on the bench a lot, but, you know, sometimes you see him on the bench, he's getting a little rest for, you know, to, to, to come out guns blazing in the fourth quarter, so... He's sitting on the bench and the opposing team, they're like, okay, Michael Jordan's on the bench and we got to make a run because he's on the bench. But then all of a sudden the coach says, Hey, MJ. And he stands up. And sometimes the act of standing alone requires a special fortitude. Now, I'm giving the Michael Jordan example, but To explain this example, just the act of standing. It's a special fortitude. That's when we say standing alone. But then what about standing alone? What about like if Michael Jordan were the only player? You see, and I'm using Michael Jordan to explain this example. But what about Joshua? Standing alone with his God. But then also standing alone when everybody else was defiled. You see, there's the act of standing, which is beautiful and powerful. But what about when you're the only one? When everybody else chooses to defile themselves. And they call you names. Oh, you're such a legalist. You're such a legalist. It's like, what? how is this a legalist? How am I a legalist? I don't want to get drunk. I don't want to do crack. I don't want to do the sex. I don't want to go to the strippers. I don't want to go to the, the nightclub. Oh, you know, I, I don't want to do those things. Oh, you're such a legalist. How? I want this temple to bring honor to the Lord, not dishonor. How is this legalism? And then everybody says, Oh, don't go next to that guy. Don't go next to that guy. Look, he's dangerous. He's a pariah. He's this. Don't go next to this lady. Look, she's dangerous. He's a pariah. She's a legalist. All these things. And you're like, What? How? How? You see? Standing alone. Standing alone and standing alone. A very, very special fortitude. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? When all the multitudes bowed down. And there's only three standing. You see? When all the multitudes defiled. Few stand. Very few. I mean, in the case of Caleb and Joshua, 0.0003%. That's a very, very, very small minority. And you know, you you hear us mention the, the four categories of the last day's church. And I'm very generous in saying 25%. But when you look at prophecies, I'll still be generous and say, Less than 10%. But there's even smaller minorities. We have to understand. I don't mean to be abrasive insane treating verses as magnet verses or saying, look, it's just a mere magnet. I, it pains me to come off that way and say it that way, but... I have to explain and teach it that way because we must understand how the Lord works. Understanding his nature and character, how he desires holiness from a holy people. Remember Moses, you know, be holy for the Lord is holy. He say, oh, that's Old Testament. Don't forget Peter says it too. Be holy for the Lord is holy. And then all of a sudden, it's like, where is holiness to be found? I mean, you figure, but among his people. Surely holiness is among his people. Look at the state of the church today. Look at the, look at the carnality in the church today. Do you see holiness? I mean, let's be straight up. Do you see holiness? Remember, prophetically speaking, the seven churches in Uh, revelation two and three the seven churches there are only two where the lord says there's no need to repent why because they've already repented and they're obedient to the lord the majority the five other churches he says repent 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 you see and so in continuation in verse 7 says, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. I love this so much. It's not the legacy of Moses. Moses is a servant. It's the legacy of the Lord. Not just for Joshua, but for the people. Remember? The blood. And how many times, remember when we were in Exodus? A lot of blood, a lot of blood, a lot of animals, a lot of animals. Remember Moses who says, you know, let my, let my, thus saith the Lord, let my people go. All of us are, everybody, the people, the animals. He says, we need the animals. We don't even know what we need them for, but we need the animals. The Lord says, take the animals. Unbeknownst to Moses at the time, they would need blood. Why? A lot of sin. Life is in the blood. And it's a transfer of sin. Life for life. Remember, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, and so blood is required. Life is in the blood, and there's the transfer. Okay, now the sin through the through the the blood, a transfer of this debt. Sometimes you talk to non-believers, the mockers, like, "Oh, why is there sacrifice here, sacrifice there?" Well, old covenant. Sacrifice because it's a shadow of the things to come, the shadow of Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lamb, the Lamb of God, Son of God, Son of David, Son of Man, you see? This law of Moses, it's for the people. It's for the camp of Israel and all who believe. It's even the Gentiles, except that for the Gentiles, they have to deny their gods and align themselves to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Same thing with Israel. They have to be in alignment to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because if they start worshiping the Baals, no formula doesn't work. There. The formula is wrong. Same thing applies to you and me. The formula has got to be right. Then you have people say, oh, I believe in the finished work of the cross. I believe in the finished work of the cross. And once saved, always saved. Therefore, I can do this, that, that, that. And the finished work of the cross. Listen, God's not done. God is the author and finisher of our faith. There is the finished work of the cross. Yes, but to assume that God is done? No, he's still doing a work inside of you and me. Our hearts need to be jello, the circumcision. If hearts go from jello to stone, not good. Not good. Hearts need to be jello and stay jello. The biblical formula is once saved, stay saved. And so we see in verse 7 that you may observe to do according to all the law which moses my servant commanded you do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go and people have an idea of prosperity having to do with money and riches but biblically speaking money has prosperity prospering has nothing to do with money it can be. I mean, the Lord can use uh, uh finances and when the Lord blesses with finances, in my experience, when the Lord blesses with finances, it's not so a person can, you know, have a private jet and have a mansion and have, a, you know, a, a house over here and a house over there and a house over here and a house over there and jets and all these things. It's for the work of the ministry so that a person can bankroll churches, so that a person can bankroll the persecuted church, churches today which are suffering. I mean, like, you know, you see these famines spreading across the globe, and it's going to be worse. I teach from America, and much of Western culture is somewhat shielded from... Certain things somewhat you know the 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 famines that are spreading across the globe are going to hit very hard. I mean if you've been walking what's with, with us for a while, you may remember like prior exhortations to attempt if you have the means to live off thirty percent of your income. you know it wasn't just said willy nilly it was said for a reason because for such a time as this. We're seeing these major, major prophetic events happening, which is it's spreading and it's getting worse. But in Western cultures, this famine, it's going to hit and it's going to hit hard. But in third world countries, it's going to hit very hard and will be very deadly. But for a lot of wealthy people today, blessed of the Lord with finances, What they've done is they've made these connections with churches and Christians and ministries across the globe and they're able to provide food, rice, beans. And this famine, it's spreading across the globe, but yet the saints, the body caring for the body, you see? And I've seen men and women, mostly business people, financially blessed of the Lord. But when you look at the funds that they have, it's not so they can buy their jets and, you know, have, you know, their uh, live in Boca. No. It's for the work of the ministry and the care of the saints. And this prosperity that we see here in verse 7, he says that you may prosper wherever you go. And this translates in the Hebrew as... To have wisdom, understanding, and skill. That's how it translates in the Hebrew. No mention of money. The prosperity gospel, the money preachers of today, they're servants of Satan. Straight up, servants of Satan. Often found in the Pentecostal and charismatic movements. Now, if you're Pentecostal, charismatic, I love you. Listen to our studies through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Because We have to understand the moving, the gifting of the Holy Spirit and how he works. Because you see major abuses of the uh, misapplication of scripture when it comes to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If you're Pentecostal, charismatic, I love you. But listen to those studies and it will help you. Prosperity has nothing to do with money. In the Hebrew here, prosperity references wisdom, understanding, and skill. You see? And that's what the Lord is saying. to. Remember, the Lord is speaking to Joshua. He's not speaking to the multitudes of the camp of Israel because when Joshua dies and the elder dies, you know what happens with the people? They turn into apostasy. They enter apostasy. They become harlots serving the Baals and the Ashtoreths. That's what happens. But yet you have these pillars, such as Joshua and the elders. You have these pillars. And the Lord is speaking to Joshua. And the Lord is saying, I will never fail you or forsake you or leave you. But don't forget, it's not without warning, too. Observe everything according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. In verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Some translations say, you shall be constantly in it, in the word of God. I love this so much, not advocating the law. The law points to Christ, the word became flesh. Make the pages white. Old Testament, New Testament, make the pages white. Learn, gain this knowledge and understanding and apply the word of God in your life. Meditate in the word of God. Meditate on these things. You see, just like Philippians 4 verse 8 teaches us that whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and praiseworthy to meditate on these things. Well, how do we know what is true? The Word of God. How do we know what is noble? The Word of God. How do we know what is just? The Word of God. How do we know what is pure? The Word of God. How do we know what is lovely? The Word of God. How do we know what is of good report? The Word of God and fellowship of the saints. How do we know what is virtuous? The Word of God. How do we know what is praiseworthy? The Word of God and the fellowship of the saints. You see, koinonia, ecclesia among the hagios. It's not a social club. Not a social club. Church, ecclesia, is an assembly of those who are called and the word of God teaches us and shows us. He says in verse 8 that you may observe to do. Not just meditate in the word. Not meditate in the law and period. No. Meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do. To do. According to all that is written in it. Written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Which is good and profitable is how it translates in the Hebrew. Now. You know, you understand that good is also self-inflicted. You see, obedience. When you look at the curses of the Lord as a result of disobedience, every single one of them is self-inflicted. It didn't have to be that way. You see it in the Old Testament all over the place. You see it in the New Testament all over the place. You see it in people's lives today, all over the place. And you see it in your own life, all over the place. It didn't have to be that way. But as a result of disobedience, remember the Lord is reactionary. The Lord disciplines those whom he loves. He chastises those whom he loves. If we are without chastisement, we are illegitimate children. Some translations say we are bastards. Bastards. You see, self-inflicted. But let's flip the coin. The good, no chastisement. The good, the blessings of the Lord, the blessings of obedience, that is also self-inflicted. You see, because a choice is made. Wickedness is a choice. Righteousness is a choice. How do we know wickedness? The Word of God, the examples. We learn from the the mistakes of other people. We learn in fellowship the mistakes of other brothers and sisters when they say, listen, don't do that, don't do this, don't do this, because I did that and it didn't turn out well. You see? And we learn also from the Word of God, holiness. You learn wickedness people they make their choice and you see wow that's wicked and then you see how the lord responds in the word and you know and people around us but in the word we also see like wow look at look at joshua look at how the lord is speaking to joshua in this very very beautiful intimacy Don't treat these verses as a mere magnet. Remember the stands, plural, the stands of Joshua when defilement was spreading. Not with him. When defilement was the norm, not with him. You see? And look at how the Lord is speaking to him. You see, when we treat verses like magnets, oh, I like this, be strong and have good courage. And we fail to account for the makeup of the man. And also the makeup of the woman. In the case of Hannah, Chloe, Chloe, Priscilla, Aquila, Lydia. Beautiful people, male, female, young, old. Remember Samuel? Young guy, young kid. From baby. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It just... You know, when I read my Bible, it's like... It makes me... It it makes me look forward to a lot of things. A lot of things. Which, you know, I don't like to be overly open about. Because it's not widely accepted. Nor is it understood. But I hope and pray that as we study the Word of God together, that together we can understand these things. Because perilous times aren't coming. Perilous times are already here and it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse but for Joshua the lord is has in this intimacy in verse 8 when he says that that you may Observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Good success is the same word that we see in verse 7 for prosper, which is to have wisdom, understanding, and skill. You see? Wisdom, understanding, and skill. And I tell you the truth, with an abundance of pain, this is lacking in the church today. Especially among pastors, especially among shepherds who treat church as a social club. You see? In verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Yet again, how many times does the Lord say, you know, be strong and courageous? He says it many times. And I love it. I love it. The Lord saying to Joshua, be strong and courageous, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, he says, nor be dismayed or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see, intimacy. But this intimacy that we see here in chapter 1 of Joshua, it's nothing new. There was already intimacy many, many, many years ago. Already intimacy. But this intimacy with the Lord got deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Now we see, wow, look how the Lord is speaking to Joshua. Look how the Lord spoke to Jeremiah. Look how the Lord spoke to Ezekiel. Look how the Lord spoke. It's not really captured how the Lord spoke to Chloe. But you see in her separation from the mainstream, you can see her beauty. The beauty of Hannah. The beauty of Esther. The beauty of Ruth. Male, female, young, old, I don't care. But that our intimacy with the Lord can get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Now we get into verse 10. So Joshua receives his call to action, so to speak. Now we see verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, Pass through the camp and command the people saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days, three days, three days, I love it, you will cross over this Jordan. Now, you might study this a little deeper in the future. Prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days, you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites... The Gadites, the Gedites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke. Now, remember Numbers 20, uh, 32? In Numbers 32, these are the tribes that wanted a certain land, and which was permissible. But remember, Moses says to them, this isn't a way to get out of the fight. You still got to fight. So you come with the camp. All of us, we're gonna go fight. And when we're done fighting, and you know, then you can go and inhabit these lands. But this isn't a way to get out of the fight. Remember, that's our study from Numbers 32. Now, Joshua, he says, Hey, remember, remember what Moses says. And now we see in verse 12 that to the Reubenites, the Gadites, the, the, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land your wives your little ones and your livestock shall remain in the land which moses gave you on this side of the jordan but you shall pass before your brethren armed all your mighty men of valor and help them you see this isn't a tricky way to get out of the fight this isn't a means to get out of the fight no you're going to engage in warfare you're going to engage in the fight. I mean, carnally speaking, if you're in a warrior class and you try to get out of the fight, that's dangerous. <laughs> Don't do that. That's very dangerous. It is uh, harmful, <laughs> very, very harmful to do that. That's according to the flesh. But same thing for you and me. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The fight is coming to us. We're living in a time where you can't avoid the fight. The fight is coming to us. I meant point blank too. It's coming to us. To have this mindset of, look, oh, I, I gotta avoid the fight. I gotta avoid. You can't avoid it. You cannot avoid the fight. And I'm not speaking carnally. It's not to say like, you know, uh, uh, you know, Satanists are coming to your door, so kill them, you know. No. Nothing like that. That is unbiblical. But we fight according to the Spirit. Remember the demon-possessed guy? Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who in the world are you? And they lost the fight. You look in the church today, I see people claim victory, but I don't see victory. People who name and claim victory. But you look under the hood. You see the sex, the prostitutes, the strippers, the casinos, the gambling, the Buddha, the Mary, the, you know, all kinds of different things. When you look under the hood, they can proclaim victory all they want. But do you see victory? You see, the fight is coming to us. The fight is here. verse 15, until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he gave you, and they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them, then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Also, more on this later. those who have ears in verse 16 so they answered joshua saying all that you command us we will do and wherever you send us we will go now this is good verse 16 this is good because you see order in the camp but there's a problem When the Lord doesn't become yours. When Jesus doesn't become personal. You see, and as mentioned earlier, this is seen a lot with parents and kids. Where kids are obedient to the parents, which is a good thing. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing in any way, shape, or form. Kids obedient to parents, a good thing. Good thing. But to my young brothers and sisters in Christ who are presently children, you might be 8 years old, 10 years old, 12, 15, I don't know. But when Jesus doesn't become yours and you His, that's a big problem. You, my beautiful brother, you, my beautiful sister, have a choice to make. You might be 12 years old. And you believe in Jesus because mom and dad say so. Now, it's true, mom and dad say so. Somebody says so. I mean, if that's you. But Jesus might not be personal to you. Where... Jesus belongs to mom and dad, but Jesus isn't yours. Jesus is their God, but not your God. Understand, you have a choice to make. It's a it's a big decision. And you say, oh, wait a second, I can't wait till when I'm 18 years old, I'm going to leave the house and I'm going to go here, I'm going to do this, I'm going to try this, I'm going to dabble in this, I'm going to dabble in that and see and taste. You might have parents that have tasted of those things. But let me tell you something from experience. I have tasted of those things. Wherever your mind is going, I have tasted of those things. And I tell you the truth and I tell you from experience. I have tasted the Lord and the Lord is good. Don't bother with those other things. They're meaningless. They'll also lead you to hell. Oh, but I want to try the sex. I want to try the drugs. I want to try the alcohol. Don't bother. It's a dead end. Jesus must be yours. And you, you might be 10 years old. You say, hey, mama, hit pause. I'm going to commit my life to Christ. Hey, papa, hit pause. I'm going to commit my life to Christ right here, right now. Let today be the day of salvation for you. Jesus Christ was mom and dad's up until today. And Jesus Christ is your yours. You see, this is an inherent problem here in verse 16. Because the people answer Joshua and they say, All that you command us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. The same thing happened with Moses. Remember when the Lord spoke and the people says, Moses... Let not God speak to us, Moses. You speak to the Lord, and the Lord speaks to you, Moses. And then you tell us, and we will do everything that you say, Moses. How did that turn out? How did that turn out? Not so good. Not so good. Because the Lord wasn't personal to them. Which is a choice. I mean, the Lord doesn't say like, you know, you know. instead of I stand at the door and knock and if you hear me, I will come in and sup with you. He doesn't say, you know, like I'm going to barge, I'm going to kick the door. I'm not even going to knock. I'm going to kick the door down and you will be my subjects. No, he doesn't say that. We all make a personal decision. To abide in Christ. To believe in Jesus or to not believe in Jesus. And to believe in Jesus means to abide in Jesus. You see, the real Jesus, whose word is above his name. You see, and we see in verse 17 here, just as we heeded Moses in all all things, so we will heed you, only the Lord your God. Ooh, that's a problem. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. That's a big problem. Instead of saying the Lord our God, they say the Lord your God. Now you understand judges too. When Joshua dies and the elders die and then what enters the camp? Apostasy. You see, idolatry, harlotry, worship of the Baals and the asterisks. Not good. Not good. But then In these early moments, you know, Moses is freshly dead. No disrespect to Moses to say that way, but, you know, he's he's the end of watch. And the people are already saying the Lord your God instead of the Lord our God. Little red flag. Not a good sign. You see? And you, you might be... A young brother of mine in Christ, a young sister of mine in Christ, eight years old, 12 years old, 15, 16, 17, and you're eager, 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 eager to see what the world has to offer. I'm not one to deny adventure. I, me personally, I love adventure. You know, but sometimes parents get mad at me because it's like, you know, if a kid wants to go live in Timbuktu, hey, wherever the lord is calling that person you know young old male female when i want to say young old might be like you know 18 years old or 22 that's my young old for kids <laughs> it's an adventure out there only this walk with the lord walk with the lord and a lot of times you have parents oh Oh, don't say that to my kid, don't say that to my kid because they're going to move over here, they're going to go over here and everything's going to, they're going to do the sex, they're going to drug, they're do the drugs, they're going to do the alcohol. That's more reflective on, on bad parenting. If that's what you're afraid of, parent, that means you didn't train well. I don't want my child to live across the country. I don't want my child to live across on the other side of the world because they might do the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, and all that. They might fall away from the Lord. That reflects more on you, Mom. That reflects more on you, Dad. And your failure to train and equip. Your failure to teach. Because if that's what you're concerned about, I mean, much better is it, you know, baby girl says, hey, mom and dad, I'm going to go move to Timbuktu. The Lord is calling me to Timbuktu. And mom and dad are like, wow, Timbuktu better watch out because baby girl, she no joke. You see. Because she's been trained well. Timbuktu better watch out because baby girl, she's not playing around. She's not playing games. You see? You see the red flags here in the camp of Israel. And I see this a lot in children. Having conversations with children. You see? A 12-year-old girl who's very proud and say, you yeah, adamant, you know, this is how I feel about this and I know I'm going gr- to get grounded for it, but I don't care. I'm so convicted in this. Mom and dad, they're not going to like it. I'll be grounded for a month, but I am convicted in this and I'm going to do it. But then to come alongside a 12-year-old girl, 13, 14-year-old girl and analyze the heart using the word of God Look at this person who had that same mentality, that same idea that you have, my beautiful young sister. 13, 14-year-old girl who's adamant about how she feels about this and that and this and that. And mom and dad aren't going to like it, but she says, I don't care. I know I'm going to be grounded for the rest of my life, but I don't care. I'm going to do it. Okay. I see that you're pretty adamant about this. Sister, oh yeah, I'm super adamant about that. Okay, okay. But it reminds me of this person. Look, let's open up our Bibles. Look, this person was also very adamant. And then turn the page over here. Look at what the Lord did in response. analyzing the heart to take a 13-year-old girl and say, listen, let's forget the parents for a moment. You know, your parents, I love them. Mom and dad, I love them. But let's forget the parents. I'm talking to you. This notion that you have in your heart, it's understandable. But is it right? And forget mom and dad. They might have their own motives, you know. They don't. They don't want you to do something because you know they want to save face. You know, they don't want to do something because they don't want to be like you know uh, laughed at in a church. They don't want to be you know the butt of the jokes of the, in in a church. Let's but let's forget them. Forget mom and dad. I love them, but let's forget them because this mindset. It is not pleasing to the Lord. And this is why. Because his word says this. Look at the example of this person who had the same exact desire. And was going to like, no matter what, no matter what opposition is, like, I am going to do this. I'm going to be grounded for the rest of my life, but I am going to do this. Okay? I get it. I understand. But when we scratch out the parents, they're gone. They're out of the picture for now. And let's replace them with the Lord. Jesus Christ. You see? Now it's a different ballgame. Now it might be a pride issue with mom and dad. You like, you know, butt heads with them, you know? Like like uh two rams or three rams. You know, you butt heads with mom, you butt heads with dad and it's like a pride thing and it's like, "Okay, I get that." When you do that with Jesus, it's a different ball game. And then, you know, look at the desire of this guy, look at the desire of this gal, and look at what the Lord did. And then look at the aftermath, the fruit of it, the rotten fruit of it. Look at how the Lord responded, and you know it's not like you know death and hellfire, damnation. It could be, but understand the nature of the Lord. He's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. Now, understanding that, I don't want to be the cause of His suffering. I don't want you to be the cause of His suffering. Because it's hurting him. Now, that is his nature, that he's long-suffering, but I don't want to be the cause of it. And when you're crucified with Christ, you join him in that long-suffering. Because you also become long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. Look at Paul. When he says of himself, I wish that I could be anathema, separated from Christ for the sake of my countrymen. You see, That's a new heart. Now, 13, 14-year-old girl, 12, 13, 14-year-old girl, seen in this perspective, now, whoa, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Wow, I need to repent. Praise be to the Lord. Do we have to tell my parents? Nah, we forgot about that, remember? Just be right with the Lord. Just walk with the Lord. You see? It blows me away. Sometimes parents forget. I'm of the strong conviction that the most fierce battles that anyone faces happen under age 20. By and large, teenagers, the fiercest of battles. And yet parents want to shelter their kids. I get it. I understand it. But I've had these conversations with parents before. Oh, I don't want my kid to do this. I don't want my kid to do that because they might fall. They might do the sex, the drugs. down, And that would be bad. That would be a bad thing. And yes, it would be. But it is highly reflective on your inability and failure to train and equip mom, dad. Because you know the environment. You're well aware of the environment. After all, we're adults here. You're well aware of the environment. And all this time, you have refused to equip. You have refused to train. You see? Baby girl says, I want to go to Timbuktu. Mom and dad can say, Wow, Timbuktu, they have no idea what's coming to them. You see? Because baby girl, she's on fire for the Lord. You see? If you're a young, my young brother, my young sister in Christ, 12, 13, 14, 15. Scratch out your parents. Let's put them out of the picture. You and the Lord. I don't care if you're male, female. You and the Lord. You only. And the Lord only. And your relationship with him. Choose balls in your court Just as we said earlier You know, God loves you Not willing that any should perish You have a choice to make Because a lot of kids say Oh, you know, look, Jesus He's the God of my mom The God of my dad But me, I can't wait to get out in the world Because I'm going to taste And it could be that mom and dad Tasted of the world But I also tell you from experience I've tasted of the world And in the world, I almost died. I should be dead or in prison. You see, that's the world that I tasted. And I've tasted of the Lord. And He's good. Oh my goodness, is He good? And He's for you, my young brother, my young sister. You have a choice to make, you see? And parents don't realize that the younger generation is in a very major warfare. And without understanding, parents most of the time don't prepare their children for the war at hand. Is that the fault of the child? That's not what the Lord says. It's the fault of the parent. You see? Don't forget the millstone. Parents, I love you a lot. Don't forget the millstone. You see? Look at the red flags that are already... We're just in chapter 1, Joshua. Look at the red flags. Knowing, Joshua 2, that when Joshua dies and the elders die... Boom, all of a sudden, apostasy. And we knowing that, what's in the future, and especially what the Lord says to Moses in Deuteronomy 31, we see the little red flags already. I mean, Moses is dead now. And we already see the red flags starting to show. When the verse 17, they say, Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words in all that you command him shall be put to death. You see? Now, there's a little bit of, look, there's safety here. But it's also dangerous. Because with Joshua, for them to say your command, it's safe. Because of... Joshua has intimacy with God as a vessel of the Lord. But there's still inherent dangers here because number one, it's restrictive to one's own intimacy with the Lord. But then also number two, in the case of Joshua, the formula is right. But what if the formula is wrong? You see? It's like, Korah says, follow me as I follow God. Moses says, follow me as I follow God. Who are you going to choose? Now, we have the, the knowledge of the, we're so spoiled now. We have the full counsel of the word of God, Genesis to, Genesis to Revelation. We know, like, don't you dare follow Korah. But what about when you're in the heat of the moment, right then and there? Korah is tangible, And he speaks and he says, you know, look, the Lord has brought, he speaks, you know, he speaks like he loves the Lord. He uses the special buzzwords. Look, the Lord has done these good things for us and the Lord has brought us here and the Lord has fed us and all these things and he has provided. But look, it's better over here. He has good things for us over there too. And look, he speaks to Moses and surely he speaks through me as well. Look, follow me. And he started a rebellion. And to follow Korah. I could say, we could say, following Korah then was still deadly. But in order to see that danger, there needs to be circumcision. You see, to understand and know, like, wait a second, that's not, that's not pleasing to the Lord. But was there circumcision? It's just like being a Berean in the, these last days. A guy says, take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. Follow me as I follow Christ. Don't you dare follow that counsel to take the mark of the beast. Because you follow him, you're going to burn in hell. That guy says, look, God is love. Follow me as I follow Christ. Come on, let's go grave soaking. Don't you dare follow that. That's necromancy. But to be a Berean and understand and to be of the circumcision. We understand that. The formula better be right. You see? Anyone can say, follow me. That's on them. But ending up in paradise or heaven? So anyone can say, follow me. But whether a soul ends up in heaven or hell? That's on you. That's an individual choice. A person says, follow me as I follow Christ. Oh, go ahead, take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. That person gets the mark of the beast. All of a sudden he's in hell. She's in hell. That's on you. That's on that person. You know, you took it. What does the Bible say? Remember, the word of God, the Bible is our authority. Oh, but this guy says this. That's nice. What does the word of God say? We must be Bereans in these last days. We must be Bereans. Because it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. worse. What we're in right now, today, nothing. Piece of cake. I don't say that pridefully, but I say piece of cake to make this argument. A walk in the park, a breeze, a little gallop through the lily field. But it's going to get much worse. You see? especially understanding percentages where even distribution, we say 25%. But really, less than 10%. I could say more, but I don't want to scare anybody. In closing, we see this in verse 18. Only be strong and of good courage. I love this. You know, it's it's good to acknowledge. You know, this is the people speaking to Joshua. Only be strong and of good courage, which is good to acknowledge. But much better is it for every single person to acknowledge this truth in their heart. Each and every person. Every single man, woman, child, I don't care, young Old, it doesn't matter. Not magnet verses. Oh, be strong and courageous. Oh, look, I know the promises that I have towards you. Thoughts of peace and wow, cool. Look, this is awesome. Come on, let's go do drugs. Let's go do our crack, let's go cook some spoons, let's do our lines, let's go to the strippers, the you know the, the bars, the alcohol, look, it's ladies' night, you know, cheap tickets here, cheap tickets there, and all these things, and look the Buddha, let's go worship Mary, let's do the occult. Nope, doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We see this beautiful intimacy of Joshua and the Lord, but look in the past. Look when the intimacy started. Let our intimacy, mine and yours together unto the Lord, get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in these last days. To the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of the last days. God bless you. I love you.